Media Production. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. A really cool conversation in store today. So, Andrew, um, thanks for being here. I'll do my intro, and 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 what I'm going to say is the uh, former member of the band Fun, but also maybe more importantly, is the future commissioner of an indoor barn basketball <laughs> league. Is <laughs> yeah, that the, is that the in the works? League. You think? Uh, it is. And, and, uh, design Smith's commented on, on your comment or, uh, you know, that little yeah. conversation we're having, they, uh, they're interested in building it. No so way. a design Smith's like, imagine if an indoor court looked like farm club, Man. how cool that would be with banners hanging from the rafters. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, as soon as we figure out where and you know budget and stuff, right, right, right. <laughs> then I think it can happen. I, I desperately want it. Dude. I think we could have like membership dues just to help pay for. Oh, that's a good idea. Of it. That's a really and good I mean, idea. You're the commissioner. I don't want to do your job for you, but, um, yeah, when you posted that, I was like, that'd be so, that would be so cool. I actually, um, so I grew up in far deep in farm country in the thumb of Michigan right, yeah, east yeah. side <clears throat> and we would play barn basketball at some of our friends' houses. And it was the old barns where there's essentially like a big cement pad in the middle. And then on either side of that are the hay lofts, which are up, oh, you know, yeah. 15, 20 feet in the air. And so we're playing down there and, good memories of slipping on dust and like sure. trying to cross over and drive the basket and oh getting, God. uh, getting shoved into rusty nails and stuff like that. <laughs> so we'll have some safety issues, but, um, that, that reminds me that just gave me a sense memory of playing barn basketball in Kingston. Really? At, yeah. My friend, my friends had a farm or my, my parents, friends, family friends, yeah. they had a son about my age and we would play when I was a kid and we would visit there. And I, that was the first time I got stung by an electric fence too, was at their, at their farm. Accidentally or they dare you to touch it? No, I, th my, I think my uncle dared me to touch okay. one at one point or yeah. he would make, he would make kids like touch him with dandelions and pee on them and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. no, I was, we were just crawling under it and I, and I got the back of my yeah. head and it, yeah. it hurts. It'll wake you up, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's hilarious. Kingston. Yeah. 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 I, um, since we're on the topic of basketball, Kingston has really good, like year in and year out basketball uh, teams program. They have a good mm. basketball program and so does my high school. And I played a lot with guys from Kingston and they okay. were really, really good. Um, it was I, I believe it. If Kingston seems like one of those towns, kind of like Frankfurt where, where yeah. like they just get good at something mm -hmm. and they learn how to be good at it and they pass it on. And it just, it's like a kind of a winning culture that gets, yeah. gets bred into people there. And it's yeah. just kind of cool. Yeah. That, it, that is really strange how, how that can happen because we definitely had that at certain times. Like I took, so, we'll keep talking about basketball for a while and we can go elsewhere, but, um, huge part of my life and playing basketball all through throughout my childhood and seeing how, how much my family valued it and stuff. It was, it was definitely a part of the community. It was like, sure. you felt actually this leads into a, a question that I have for you. So here's, here's me growing up playing basketball. And then the pinnacle of playing basketball for me was when I finally got to play on Friday nights, like at the, at the gym in front of thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. And we have our rivalry games and all that stuff. And that is a level because I didn't play college basketball. That is like the peak level of adrenaline and having to perform in front mm. of a crowd and all these things that I ever experienced. Sure. Now you've gone well beyond that in terms of like sheer numbers and people that you've performed in front of. So when we like joke around, you hear the jokes about guys that can't stop talking about high school football because you know, they never sure. left town or whatever. Sure. Um, I think the reason why people get so obsessive about things that they did when they were 16 or 17 is because they've never achieved that same thing like elsewhere in terms of like 
performing. Oh, yeah, totally. You know what I'm sure. It's a high. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a yeah, rush. Exactly. So one of the questions I had is like, I'm sure that you you had those highs. What is it like to kind of exist in a in a way where that's not happening in the same in the same way? I I, I miss it sometimes, but yeah. what I miss more is the, like the personal connection of like after the show, you know, you go to the bus and there, there are people waiting and they've been waiting to meet you and they have got your lyrics tattooed on them and they want to yeah. talk about it. And like, that's, I miss that intimate, more intimate connection more than like, more than the shows themselves maybe. Okay. Um, and the camaraderie of like being even, you know, predating that being in the van with my, with my friends, you know, mm. that those are the times I think about more um, than the adoring fans screaming yeah. your lyrics back at you. But like, I miss that too. You mm-hmm. know, that's mm-hmm. cool. Like I could see wanting to chase that feeling and I guess you can see why people get into drugs or whatever. Right. It's cause they're like, nothing can compare in a, in a way, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I think uh, I don't, I don't ever want to dwell on that. I want to find mm-hmm. my high in other ways, community, right. a great meal, learning a new skill that, you know, I, I think I'm kind of chasing that feeling in, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you find that to be true as well, but like the, t- you had teammates with basketball too. Yeah. It wasn't just you. It was, yeah. it was like the practices, it was the sweat together. It was like the strategizing on the fly. And it was so many different things that were tied into that feeling of being in front of a crowd, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. And I, I think what I was painting for people is like, yeah, this, this Friday night lights performance. And then what is the, the parallel for, for you and your life? But you're exactly right that I think we also, yeah, miss the practices and the time spent with teammates mm-hmm. and those things the those like more intimate connections that then kind of like breed the opportunity for the, the great, like things that we get to go out and, and accomplish or perform. So that is, I think a really, really good point. I find that interesting that you say, you know, I'm searching for this the high elsewhere or trying to be able to, to find it or see it elsewhere. I think is that part of it too, is not yeah. like going out and, and necessarily like intentionally creating these huge moments, but being able to realize where they're at in, in the everyday. Kind of. Yeah. It's like, it's like Ed Helms on the office says something about like, I wish there was a way to recognize the good old days when you're actually in them. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm in pursuit of always is like, what was it those times on stage that I miss? I don't think so. I think it was like writing and it was like getting a drink after practice and just like, we used to play this, um, it was called mega touch. And it was like a bar game with a screen where you like just play, like find the difference in the mm-hmm. pick stuff like that, where it's like, or mini golf where we would just, you know, quit practice for the day and go play mini yeah, golf, you right. know, stuff like that, where it's like, I miss that a lot. Yeah. I miss, um, which is, I guess just what having friends is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right, right. I mean, I still have friends, but like when I think back to the fun days, I don't often think about you know, playing like an arena in London where there's mm-hmm. like 20,000 people. I think more about like those smaller moments, I yeah. guess. That That's super cool. Let's, let's go backwards for people then just, just kind of talk about growing up and then how you fostered this love for music. Cause I'm very curious about that now. Um, just, I, I guess the roots of it, what led to all the stuff you did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hear, hearing the Beatles, my dad got a Beatles tape, a Beatles, like kind of greatest hits 62 to 64 or whatever there. I don't know that there's like a red compilation cassette. Um, I heard that and was just immediately kind of like, Oh, like that's what I want to do. I mean, obviously I'd heard music on the radio, but nothing like hit me upside the head like that did. It was, it was like a revelation. Hmm. And so pretty much immediately I was like, I'm going to write songs. I'm going to play music forever. That's it. And I never really 
looked back, I think once I heard that, that was it. And then, you know, get, getting into like the school band after that and playing trumpet, playing piano, getting kind of more into like punk rock in, in junior high, high school and, and kind of realizing like that there was a way to kind of connect to that feeling that wasn't just the Beatles. Cause I think before, mm-hmm. until then it was like, there's nothing aside from the Beatles. They're the only band that's ever existed. Yep. It's the only music worth hearing. And then it was like, things kind of opened up again. And then after that, things kind of opened up further. And it's more about just like trying to fill my brain and expand it and like develop new tastes and skill sets and stuff within making music and recording music. But, um, early days, Beatles centric for mm-hmm. sure. And how, so was that the nineties then when, when yeah, you that, started to connect with the Beatles? Okay. Yeah. That would have been probably like, I guess I don't know. I would have been, I was in fifth grade. So how old are you in fifth grade? Like 10, yeah, no something 10, like yeah, early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> pre, then, pre Weezer. Yeah. I remember because right. when Weezer came out, that was another kind that of moment where other. I was like, Oh my God, I heard buddy Holly and saw that video where they're in happy days. Yeah. And that was kind of another big moment. Um, so you, you, it first started out like the Beatles almost seemed like the springboard for what came after it, but then you started to be, be able to draw inspiration from other areas too. Yeah. I think it, it's kind of like, I don't know, when you're a kid, you can obsess about stuff very deeply, especially because we didn't have phones. We didn't have the internet. It was just like, if you had a CD, that was the only CD, you know, for, for, for me anyway, like I had like one tape that I listened to nonstop and it just became my complete obsession. And, you know, I had like one comic book, you know, that I would like read all the time and, you know, stuff like that. Did you have anything like that when you were a kid that you just were like, or was it basketball maybe? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of basketball. Um, which is, yeah, that's interesting because so basketball, I I'm one of five boys, so I have four brothers and, and then my two parents. And so the, the five brothers like just lends itself well to the parallels. You've got a team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so my older brother who in terms of on the court has definitely found the most success on, um, with basketball. So he, he played in high school was all state and then played, um, small college division three basketball, but was able to turn that into a, a professional, um, career overseas. So he wow. played in Germany and Slovakia for five or six years. And then oh, really so cool. Yeah, it was, it was great. I was able to visit him, um, my see, spring break of my senior year and just go over there and, and get a feel for the culture and wow. his lifestyle. And it was, I mean, it was, he's a professional basketball player That's practice wild. twice a day and, um, you know, collecting those paychecks and then figuring sure. out how to be able to turn that into us dollars and send mm-hmm. it over and stuff like that. And, um, so I, I think what's interesting is that I somehow, and I still don't know how this happens, but, um, I was in the shadow of my older brother mm. talking about in terms of sports and basketball specifically, because neither of us really played anything else. Um, and so I think it would have actually been really easy for me to diverge and go a different direction. Had I not loved basketball too, it mm. would have been an easy out just to say like, well, I don't like basketball and I'll never be as good as my older brother anyway. Sure. sure. Now there's multiple things can be true. I did not end up being as good as him, mm-hmm. but I loved basketball. Like I was able to find my own way with it, become my own player, do these um, certain things and have my own style. And yeah, I found my identity in basketball. I think for sure, middle school through high school. And then even into college, even though I wasn't playing college basketball, I was playing basketball six, seven days a week with mm. a lot of really good players. And 
still found my identity walking around campus and people are like, Oh, that's the kid. That's really good at basketball. He like could be on the team probably, sure. but he's not cool. Um, and yeah, I, I've really found a lot of value in that. And then you find out the older you get that you just don't have the same time to play it. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely one of those things. Like you got to get, you have to go somewhere to play it. Like you can shoot in your backyard or whatever, but, um, if you want to play five on five, you have to have nine other people and you have to yeah. have a gym yeah. to hold everybody. And, um, yeah, you just kind of get away from it. But in terms of being able to like obsess over things as a kid, just because they're, you're not being pulled in a million directions mm-hmm. like an adult. Definitely. Most of the books that I came across as a kid, I didn't read just once. I probably read them four five, six yeah. times. I don't know why that is. I, I, I miss did, that yeah, so I didn't much. care about anything yeah. else. It's like, what? I don't need the, another book. I like this one. Yeah. I yeah. Read. I wanted to read stuff many times yeah. and like, having that deep knowledge of something like now, if I, if I, I'm lucky to, you know, finish a book mm-hmm. or finish a movie or whatever, but like, I feel like some movies, even like, like home alone, I think I've seen it probably 30 times. Yeah, I just yeah. know it so well. And I think art deserves that. This, this is like a tangent go, here, but, go, go. but art, art and, and everything deserves that kind of obsession. Like if I make an album, I want people to listen to it a thousand times mm-hmm. because it's full, you know, I think, I think it is, I think it's full of nuance and detail and I've worked really hard on it, but that's not the way I listen to music. Mm-hmm. I just listened to a record I've been hearing that I need to check out this JPEG mafia record. Mm-hmm. And I just listened to it on the way over here. And basically I caught myself like skipping, like if the first 15 seconds of a song doesn't grab me, skip. Okay. Next one, skip. Yeah. Oh, this one's got a cool intro. And then like 25 seconds in, I'm, I'm lost, skip. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's not, that's not how you consume art. That's like not the way to do it. And I have to constantly remind myself like this took time. It deserves not just one listen. It deserves 10 listens Mm -hmm. to to even begin to understand what is being said and what the lyrical content is, what the production technique was. And, um, I, yeah, I kind of miss being able to obsess like that. Whereas now it's like, all right, I gotta go, I gotta make dinner. Like I gotta walk my dog. I I gotta work to do. Um, yeah, more, more time and more obsession time, I think is important. Yeah, that's, so I was doing a little bit of uh, research and found that you, your band also drew a lot of inspiration from Kanye West, correct? Oh yeah, big that, time. Okay, mm-hmm. so not, not Kanye, but uh, kind of related is Kid Cudi. So have you listened to a lot of Kid Cudi? A fair bit, okay. yeah. Um, so I just watched his documentary with my wife. Um, can't remember, it might just be called. I think it's called a man named Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Scott. Yeah. yeah. I haven't and seen that yet, but really cool. good, really good documentary. But what you talk about when you say, you know, art deserves that appreciation and kind of that time. Um, he, the documentary took us through each one of his albums and then kind of highlighted like what was going on in his life. Personally, he's had very mm. open struggles with depression and anxiety sure. and, and um, maybe in some ways even addiction. Um, and so he was, he was talking about like where he was at creatively, but also personally for each one of the albums. And it totally just changed how I view even his songs that I don't like as much. Mm. I was like, well, there's a real person behind this. And even though yeah. I, I don't like that song as much as I like day and night or whatever mm-hmm. it is by him, um, there's value to it because there's a real person behind it. Is that Oh. Totally. It's hard to, re- it's hard to remember that when you're listening to stuff and not just be like, Oh, Kanye is a jerk. And mm-hmm. so I don't care. And it's like, well, he's also an artist and yeah. he's a weirdo. And so like, let's not that I think we can totally cut him some slack, but I think somebody <laughs> like Kid Cudi, I think he's maybe got a little more 
of a head on his shoulders sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to know. I mean, I don't, I don't really know these people very intimately, but like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see that documentary. It seems cool. It, it It is very good. And there was a point in the documentary where I think it was whatever album he released in their 2015, 2016, where it was, I mean, he was very, very open, like suicidal ideations and mm. talking about just where he was at. And, um, he, there was only like a one minute segment on that album. Cause he's like, I just can't talk about it. I found myself from an entertainment standpoint, like as a consumer of this entertainment, yes, it's a documentary, but it's still entertaining me. I was like, Oh, come on, dude. Like, just talk about it. We yeah. deserve that. Don't yeah. we? And I'm like, why, why mm. if he, if, if he doesn't want to talk about the time when he was so down and in the darkest of places, why do I think that I just deserve that content? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you could argue that you do deserve it. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's I'm, I'm intrigued now. I'm like, yeah. I want to hear that too. Like what, what is he not saying? Yeah. Like maybe that would help me as like a depressed artist, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it might be really good to hear. Um, but I also I get, I get it. I get that he mm-hmm. wants some privacy. I get that there's some stuff that I just won't talk about, you know, yeah. and that makes sense. So yeah. I don't know. I think about that a lot too, in terms of just like, what does the artist owe the world. What does anybody owe the world? Like I, I think about Weezer a lot to, to, to mention them again. Like mm-hmm. they made the blue album, which I think is one of the greatest albums ever. I, th- I love it. And I haven't really outgrown it. Maybe that says I'm mm-hmm. not growing as a person, but <laughs> I just think it's really good. I think Pinkerton is also amazing. I think every other Weezer album with a couple, a couple bright spot songs here and there, I think they're all garbage. Mm. And I think like, well, how much do they really owe the world? They made two perfect albums essentially. Yeah. And you could, that, that could be debated. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't held up about Pinkerton in terms of like, you know, relationship politics and mm-hmm. creepiness and stuff like that. But in terms of like an outpouring of emotion that was pretty much captured on tape, it's hard to compete with it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. How much do they owe the world? Does he owe us eight more great albums or can he just give us a bunch of mediocre stuff? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think like you generally owe as a craftsman or a craftsperson to, to like give your best work every time. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's done that. And maybe that's just what's in him is stuff that I don't find as appealing, but yes. the, that's not my decision to make really yep. my call. Yeah. I wanted to actually talk about that too. What I find so interesting and, and why I think a lot of times performers and, and actors and actresses and whoever people that are well-known, I guess are in like a lose-lose situation. So mm. sometimes you're, you're, you're pouring your heart into something. And I think what the consumer um, cares less about is the fact that you're pouring your heart into it and more about like the fact that whether they like it or not. And so you can pour your heart into something, but if they don't like it, then they don't necessarily always care that you poured your heart into it. Yeah. Right? And so I wonder that about some bands that just, they're comfortable with completely changing their style or going a different direction, even, even if they know that they're going to lose like the original fans. Mm. So is that something that you, you ever have like taken notice of and just been like, man, I really wish they would stick to their old stuff. Or do you as a performer and and an artist say like, Oh, they probably just feel like doing something different and they have every right to do that. Yeah. I think it depends on the artist. If it, if it's somebody like Bjork or, um, I don't know, Kanye or whatever, like, yeah, take me on the ride. Do, Mm -hmm. do your thing. Like, I, I want to catch up to you. I want you to be ahead of me. I think like there are some artists that should be ahead of the audience. And then 
sometimes I think it just feels, whether this is true or not, it feels like either it's like a middle finger to the, to the fans intentionally, or it's a laziness or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's ever true. I think everybody's probably doing their best work and I should give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I think a lot of times, yeah, I hear stuff and I'm like, just give me what I want. You know what I want. Give it to me, (laughs) you know, um, whether, but, but oftentimes I try, I try to at least be like, you know, better than me. You show me the way I'll catch up. I'll get it because Mm -hmm. I've had enough experiences with, with albums where I've hated it. But you know, that's another thing to go back to the earlier point about obsession and time. Yeah. Like, uh, the Ben Folds five album, uh, the unauthorized biography of Reinhold Messner came out and I hated it. I felt cheated. Um, and it was the only album, you know, I'd like saved up. I got this album. I was so excited and didn't like it, but it was all I had to listen to during art class where we would, you know, listen to records and draw in, mm-hmm. in high school. And I listened to it enough that I was like, Oh my God, this is my favorite album of all time. Really? Like it, it like hit me at, at a certain point that I was like, I wasn't listening to it out, out of obligation. I was listening to it because I finally got it. Mm-hmm. And it, to this day remains one of my favorite albums ever. I think it's just a masterwork and um, yeah, it takes some time sometimes to understand because we all, we all are operating at different frequencies and we're all at different points in our like creation journey and consumption journey. And so it just yeah. takes some, I don't know, patience. Well, I think about, I mean, you're just one person, but what a service you did by giving it multiple chances because right now I feel like we live in a time where it's like, oh, if this, if this photo wasn't interesting enough, if this TikTok or whatever isn't interesting enough in the first three seconds, people aren't, yeah. aren't going to stick around for the whole thing. And I wonder how much pressure that would relieve as a creator of some kind, if you knew that people were just going to give you a fair shake. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. It's a double-edged sword because on one hand, yes, I want that fair shake. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's very freeing to be like, if people don't like it, they're not going to like make fun of me yeah. or, or like hate me. They're just going to skip it. Yeah. It's not a big deal. If they like it, they'll go back to it. If they don't, they, they're not even going to remember that they listened to it. So mm-hmm. who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to navigate that thing about the crippling fear of being disliked with like the knowledge that like, yeah, we can just blow by. I don't even, like I said, I skipped after 15 seconds. If yep. people don't like it, they're just not, it's not even going to register. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is a double-edged like with anything. And then also probably healthy doses of pressure helps you create something great. I think so. I think it's good to know like whether you're, if you're building a house, it's like, yeah, it has to withstand the elements. It has to withstand temperatures rising and falling and rain. And, and, you know, I don't know, like you're going to drive your car into your garage and bump the back wall and, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows what can happen in in, in a house. So it better be built to last. And Mm -hmm. so I try to make work that is, very durable, I guess. Yeah. Um, even if it's going to get blown by, like I can stand behind it and know that like that would keep somebody warm if they're, mm-hmm. you know, needing some shelter in some yeah. way, I guess. If they're going to stick around. Nice. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's, we'll keep just kind of going through your, through your evolution as an artist. But, um, so you talked about Beatles and then Weezer and drawing inspiration <laughs> from various <laughs> yeah. sources. Then when did, I mean, it sounds like you made the decision very early on, like, yeah, I'm going to be doing music in some capacity. Nothing else matters. Mm. Um, or you can't tell me no. And I like, when did it, when did you cross that threshold of like, yeah, I guess I was right. Like I can do this. 
or, or was it always just a reality, but maybe the, the dollars came along with it later? I don't know. Yeah, it was, I always kind of thought like once, once I can only make music, mm-hmm. then I've made it like, you know, I've, I've definitely worked a lot while I've been making music at, you know, as a prep cook and working at a coffee shop mm-hmm. and, you know, doing this and that to, to make ends meet. But then once, um, once music was my day job, okay, I, I was like, I've made it, this is great. And, and that was before fun really hit it big. We were, we were touring consistently enough, enough that we were making, I, you know, mid, middle, what do you call it? Kind of middle, middle, not middle, middle age, middle, middle class. Oh, okay. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, we were like, I think a pretty standard median income mm-hmm. kind of situation. And, and, um, that to me felt like wild success Yeah, because, you know, I wasn't eating out of a dumpster, which I had been doing, <laughs> you yeah, know, stuff oh. like that, stuff like that, where it was like, oh, I can, I can actually like afford to pay rent for myself and not have to like split it five ways mm-hmm. and, you know, um, go to the grocery store and get, you know, the good cereal or whatever, right. whatever, whatever success meant to me at the time, which was pretty modest, but mm-hmm. like, felt like, hell yeah, this is the big time, baby. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can, I'm, I'm surviving. Um, so that, um, and still, I guess that's still kind of how I measure success is like, if I can be doing what I want to do and surviving, then mm-hmm. that's very successful, especially now where it's like, um, we, it's, I just feel very, for, very lucky, very yeah. fortunate to have had my life go that way. Um, I don't ever take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't come off as the type of person that does. I don't know that I would be, um, that interested in talking to you if you, if you gave off impressions <laughs> like that, you know, I, I think that people can see through that stuff, uh, pretty easily and yeah, you just, you're just a, a genuine guy. And that's why I felt comfortable approaching you about <sighs> having a conversation. Um, well, I, I also like, am a fan of what you guys do. I think it's really yeah. cool. Like what, what you do and what the louds do. And just like, there's just a great community here of people who make stuff. Yeah making stuff is a core value to me, whether it's, you know, making like, yeah, podcasts or physical structures or even making dinner, like mm-hmm. make, making a community of, of people who are like engaged with each other and with the natural world and with, I don't know. It's, it's just like a core value. Mm-hmm. This, this Michigan is like home for that reason. I think is like, we're makers here. And that yeah. like is, I feel very connected for that mm-hmm. reason to this area. Yeah. I think I, I appreciate being around people. I was actually talking to some of my close friends, uh, see a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, I don't want to sound like, like, uh, what's the opposite of humble. We're having trouble coming up with simple. Oh words yeah, we are right like, like conceited. Yeah. Or I like, yeah. I, was arrogant like, or, I don't, I don't want to seem conceited in the fact that I'm not friends with people that aren't doing cool stuff, but I just feel like all my friends are doing cool stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And that's not to say like, if you're working a a normal job that, uh, that I'm like all of a sudden not into you, but even those that are, I just feel like they're bring they're creating values in somewhere in their life that I'm just really appreciating right now. Like I'm in a, I'm in a spot where I'm just very, very happy to be there. Like I have people around me who are supportive and they also are doing things of integrity, making things. Sure that I feel like I can get behind them too. And it's a really special spot to be in. And then if you talk about the area at large, like, yeah, I, that's why I love living here too, is that I yeah. think it just happens at a different level for some reason. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just a magical vortex here. And yeah, to your point about like, like a quote unquote normal job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's just like a, 
I just, I just enjoy hard work yeah. or, or, and, and people seeing it, seeing people who do, even if it's like, yeah, washing a dish or whatever, like do that excellently. Mm-hmm. Cause the difference between doing something poorly and excellently is not that big really. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've, I've done my share of like washing dishes and there's like bits of food left on yeah, them. Yeah. And like, if I had put in like one more second or just mm-hmm. a little extra muscle, like it would be perfectly clean. And like when, whenever people are just care about care about what they're contributing back into the universe like that is a thrill mm-hmm. it's just thrilling to me i don't know like you can see it on the basket like in nba basketball too like i love when i hear about guys that put the work in like ben wallace like he was mm-hmm. my yeah. favorite player when he was playing because he like worked so hard you'd hear stories about him like hitting the weight room after the game yeah. and just like that is cool yeah <laughs> love that yeah i i agree i think there was a recent quote I, I hear a lot of quotes and then I end up, I think just making up my own quotes out of the quotes that I heard. Cause I forgot <laughs> some of it, but um, just talking about where like real progress. So we talk about getting from point A to point B and what we want to be doing with our lives is found in the moments of like monotony. Now moments of inspiration, those come and go and mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to function when you're inspired. Like you're inspired. Yeah, of course you want to be doing something because you have all this energy and, and you can feel that. Uh, but actually making a difference I think comes in those moments where there isn't that inspiration necessarily for sure because and the reason that that progress happens is because typically we're not in a state of feeling inspired I mean some people I think have those you know they're more privy to that to that level of inspiration I guess maybe depending on what you're doing but um yeah if you want to actually get somewhere you almost have to learn to function when you're uninspired I think totally that's my, my kind of core philosophy as a writer is like, you can wait for inspiration, but you're going to be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm. And if it shows, like if inspiration shows up, this is again, paraphrasing some other quote, but like it better find you working. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be, you know, at the piano or at the guitar, generally working on something, even if it's, yeah, like in the wood shop, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to make something, it's just like you learn by doing, you don't learn by waiting or hoping that you'll get inspired. It just takes, takes the elbow grease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. There's a great John Cage quote too, where he says something to the effect of, um, you can't, you may be able to like fool the crowd, but you'll never, you'll never fool the makers or something mm-hmm. like that. Where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like other musicians, other, other artists are, they're going to know, they can tell if you're not putting the work in. Right. Right. Just on the NBA court too, I would assume. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm so fascinated that your brother played pro. That's yeah. so cool. Oh man, it's it was very very cool. And I, what's interesting is that you know I mentioned a little bit about like kind of feeling like I lived in his shadow, and these are all things that I've that I've talked to him about. But I have like this one memory of that I think could have been more painful than what it actually was. Mm. But um, I was so I was starting. I was in the starting lineup for this huge game in high school. And it was like they had brought back all the alumni players, whether basketball or football, that had graduated that were like playing in college or in my mm, brother's okay. case professionally. So he was home for Christmas, I think. He could come home like over the summer and then maybe like one other time during the year. Sure. Um, so he was home from Germany and he was in the crowd. It was one of the few times he got to watch me. And they did the introductions. They were like, and Steve Kramer is home from Germany. He's in his third year of playing professionally overseas, give it up or whatever. And then mm-hmm. the crowd stands and, and cheers for him. And this was all um, prior to the introductions of the starting lineup that okay. I was in. 
And then there was another, my friend uh, was also on the team and his brother was playing division one basketball and he was in the crowd as an alumni. So okay. he got introduced and clapped sure. for and stuff. And as I was getting my name introduced for the starting lineup, this other guy who actually is my friend, uh, I don't know if you would remember this or not, but um, we're not like super close, but he, uh, he tapped me on the shoulder cause he was in the crowd and he's like, don't sweat it. You'll never be as good as your older brother. And I was like, Oh, is there more to that? Like, is there another sentence coming? That's going to make me feel a little better or Oof. what's going on here. And, um, Oh, that's so that, mean. Yeah. That like stuck out. But what I mean when I say like, it could have been a lot worse is it would have had I not been so close with my older brother and like mm. seeing that everything that he got, he deserved. And it's, it's mm. likewise for my younger brothers too. And whatever their ventures are, um, I think hard work is a characteristic of our family too. And that there, I mean, how much animosity can you actually have towards what someone's accomplishing if you've seen the work being put in? Sure. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I saw that and I was like, yeah, the comment is rude, but like, what am I going to do? I didn't try as hard as my older brother, mm -hmm. you know? So like I, I was, I, I felt like somewhat comfortable existing in that, in that area. And then mm. fast forward 10 years and I've found my own niche and sure, it's totally sure. fine. You know, did it take perspective or did you feel that in the moment? Like, were you immediately like, what were you, what were you feeling yeah. in that moment? Did, could you let go of it then? Or was it like a stinging more at the time? Yeah. So it stung. It definitely stung. Um, but it was never, it never resulted in me being upset with my brother, which I think was like cool. the most important thing is because he cool. had nothing to do with that. Right. He right. never made me feel less than sure. um, himself. And because I wasn't measuring up to whatever he had achieved, he didn't care. Like sure. I wasn't, I was his younger brother. Um, and so it, it didn't result in any of that animosity, but yeah, it stung. It was like, mm. Hey, I'm trying pretty hard out here and I actually really care. And you're not even on the team. You're we, just like, right, you're to watch game. me play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, but actually I guess I'm kind of thankful for it because it, yeah, it served as a good lesson of like, sometimes people are just going to say stupid things. And I don't really truly know what he meant by that comment. Um, cause it didn't totally make sense either. Like within the context, I wish I could tell you like it made sense, but it didn't really. Right. Um, well saying don't, don't, he said, don't sweat it. Yeah. He was like, don't worry. You'll never be as good as your, as your older brother. I was like, I would almost what? like to think he meant it in a kind way. Maybe. Like no pressure. Yeah. Like don't worry about anything, man. <laughs> I but would, I, 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 would but like I bet it wasn't. I'll bet he's trying to yeah. be a jerk. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I really don't know. Um, but I think that just, yeah, kind of goes back to when you, when you see someone working really hard at something and they're very, very passionate about it, like how upset with their success can you be? I, sure. I wonder if that's, if that's ever led to difficulty in your life of you start to get judged by people that don't know you, but they know what you do. And so they only sure. know certain aspects of your life, which is like the product you're putting out and not the actual heart and intention. Maybe that's behind everything. Sure. Sure. Do you have, I mean, this would oh, maybe yeah. I don't know how much Twitter was, um, a factor, you know, in the early 2010s, but I know yeah, it's brutal I mean, now. We, yeah, I, I think people, we were never like a, a critical darling, yeah. you know, like we had some commercial success, but it wasn't like we were a band that, um, like Wilco or something that people were like universally acknowledged is great. You know, that, that never was our, um, reputation or mm -hmm. something, even though I always felt like we made good work, you know, mm -hmm. like I always, you know, when, especially with our first album, I thought like, this is 
I just loved our music so much. And, uh, so that felt a little weird when people, you know, I would see like snipes on Twitter about, yeah. you know, even lately there was one that came up, the guy from Eve six was like talking shit about us or something. Really? I was like, come on, man. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like who cares yeah. about either of us at this right. point? You know, like what's the point? But, um, I get, I mean, I think there's, it's just a very human thing to be like, try to take somebody down. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Like, I feel that, you know, like if, if I'm especially feeling like saucy, wanting to like, you know, tear somebody down mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I get the impulse, but like, yep. I'm just not that interested in it, mm-hmm. you know, in general, like, especially like I would never like, I don't think say anything publicly about something I don't like. Yeah. Right. Unless it's, um, somebody's like done something that yeah. I really disapprove of. Like injustice. I, yeah. Like I can talk about that, but I wouldn't be like, boy, the new album is so stupid by yeah. whoever, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you've been in the literal arena. Like you talk about again, going to quotes that I only know half of like <laughs> the people that, you know, judge the harshest are the ones that haven't stepped foot and been in the same. Right. It's like situations. the guy that said something to you. It's like, well, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't in yeah. practice with you. He wasn't sweating, like running suicides with mm-hmm. you guys. Like, walk, walk a mile in, in these Jordans and yeah. see how, you know, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's very easy to, to snipe from the outside and it's a lot harder to put in the work and, and really like understand and understand like what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how that game went? I think that we won that game. I mean, we won a majority of our games mm. just so it's like a safe assumption that we won, but I really, that's so funny because up until, well, probably like, so I graduated in 2008. That was however many years ago, 11, 12. Um, yeah. I'd say for the first four or five years after maybe six years, I could recite like almost game by game, like wow. stats and scores and all that stuff. Cause I valued it so much. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and also my younger brothers came up behind me. And so I was trying to get back home as often as I could to watch them mm. play too. So I still felt like I was in it kind of, yeah, totally. Like even though I wasn't playing, they were wearing the same jerseys that I was. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting how you can be so into something and know every little detail about it. And then as life presents more important things, mm. you can kind of push it off, you know, like that yeah. memory sticks out, but not whether we won or lost. Right. That's funny. Odd. That's very funny. That's cool though, that you were still so connected when your brothers were there. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's really neat. Yep. I love that about LeBron, his encyclopedic knowledge mm-hmm. of every moment of every game of his career. Crazy. He's like, well then, you know, like J.R. Smith is coming up beside me and I knew, you know, he's like, yeah. he knows every, he knows everybody's position at all times. It's like, yep. a, he's a genius. It is nuts, man. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy. And he has some of those viral videos where he's reciting something in the, in the post game, you know, a reporter asks him, Hey, remember that possession in the second quarter? Yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah, the score was this and this. And I knew that we, we didn't have any time else left. And so I made this call and it's like, what? Yeah, it's like unbelievable. I mean, it's, yeah, it's actually like I think he has a photographic memory. He, I don't know. He how must. He yeah, it's incredible. Uh Sean McVay for the Rams, the coach of the yeah. Rams is like that yep. too, where it's like, okay, third down, you know, fourth quarter, five minutes left in the game against, you know, the Raiders. Yep. What what was the play? And he was like, Oh, that was a you know, 32 left over under whatever. Yeah. It's like how I, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. I, I, I do actually yeah. today. <laughs> but it was because uh, I went to JNS with my dad. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 
Uh, but generally I don't remember anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. J and S will stick out in anybody's mind. Yeah. Um, it was cool. Inter- interesting. Yeah. I think that is, it, it's just wild to see people performing at that level. Um, and then if they have the memory like that, cause LeBron could, he could do most of what he can do. Not all of it, but most of it without his memory, like that ability, yeah. but what makes him, you know, just more than like the average NBA player are those things. Totally. Like there's a lot of six, eight, 250 pound guys in the NBA, right. but he has these other abilities and like this IQ that takes him from being, you know, top three or four all time. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild to see. Um, what's your favorite breakfast food? Do you eat breakfast? First of all, I do not. I can, I can okay. talk to you about my lack of eating breakfast and my fasting regimen. If you want, I would love to talk to <laughs> really? him. I, cause I, I do that too. I didn't today, but generally I do. Yeah. 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 What, what time do you normally eat? Like first time uh, around 12, 12. Okay. And, so. and I'm not, a, I, I used to be kind of hardline, like waiting for that clock to roll yeah. over to 12. Yeah. And then done by eight. Um, okay. and now because I'm generally at school most days, mm-hmm. It, it might be 1130 when, when I get my first break and it might be one. So I, yep. I try, it's, it shifts, but, um, generally I don't eat okay. anymore. And I love breakfast. I'm a big breakfast guy, but it just feels better for my body. Yes. Yeah. That's where I'm at too, is, um, remember in like growing up, you always heard breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You got to eat something. And I was never hungry growing up. Mm. Just, I, I would have to force something down because I was like, well, I have practice after school and it probably was smart to eat, but um, I was never like inclined to eat. Sure. Now, if it was 10 AM or something, I was probably hungry. But when we're waking up for school as a kid at like six 30, I was not hungry. Yeah. And I always thought it was the weirdest thing. And then I stumbled across, yeah, like intermittent fasting or whatever, maybe seven, eight years ago, I would say 98% of the time of the days since then, within the last five to seven years, yeah, I've not eaten breakfast. And now I'll even extend my fasts a little bit longer. So maybe I won't eat until two, three, four. Sometimes I will mm. wait totally until dinner. Wow. Yeah, it just really depends. I try to be, I try to figure out like, oh, okay. So if I'm going somewhere for the weekend and I know that we're going to get breakfast with friends and just my overall like calorie intake is going to go up. Sure. Then that Friday I might just not eat until dinner. Yeah. And just like in preparation of it. I have no idea what the science is behind it or if I'm even doing the right thing, but it's just like, I've just tried to get comfortable not eating as much, I guess. Sure. I think it's really good. For, it's, yeah. I think it's from what I understand, it's really good for your digestive system mm-hmm. to not be like constantly yeah. working. Give it a break. Mm-hmm. Don't be cramming food into it as soon as you wake up, which is yeah. how I grew up too. It's like a bowl of, you know, sugary cereal mm-hmm. for breakfast. And now it's just like, oh, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Right. I, Cause yeah, I, I always heard like eat breakfast like a king. Mm-hmm. Lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper or whatever, yeah. like big breakfast medium lunch, small dinner. And now I just don't really think that's true, but I guess, I don't know, you know, we're finding out new stuff about the body every day and Mm -hmm. like how we operate. So I don't know, this feels right for me at the, in the moment. Yep. I might change. Well, I think that, I think that's the main messaging for people as we're experts on diet here is, um, you don't have to be so tied into your food. I think that's the main thing. Like I'm glad that fasting taught me is that I don't Mm. have to be so tied in. You're not actually withering away, even if it feels like it. Right. Right. And so you don't have to be tied into your meals. And actually I find that I think more clearly and stuff in the mornings. Like, I don't know if creatively when you're at your best, like, is there a peak 
time during the day? Are you a night, morning, afternoon? That is in flux constantly. Yeah. Like I, I used to be like, stay up until four, really get my best work done then, you know, and now I just don't think that is right for me anymore. Now it's, it's more about the morning. I find my brain is like very elastic in the mornings. Like it almost, almost to a point where like, it's, it's hard to describe. I can almost think out things in their entirety mm. in, in the more, like before I even open my eyes and I'm still like half dream state, yeah. I can hear and, and envision things in such a way that like when I'm fully alert and fully awake, it just is like very boxed in mm. and very much like, it's just harder to access that like weirder, like subliminal. Yeah. this like weird space between sleep and waking where like things are totally flowing. Mm. And if I can write as soon as I wake up, generally I I find that I enjoy that stuff more. I guess define like as soon as you wake up, like notepad next to the bed or running, grabbing a cup of coffee and 20 minutes later writing something down like, or a combination. I guess the coffee one. Cause I, I think like when I'm, if it's too, if it's too soon, then it's too weird. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of like once I, yeah, once I'm vertical mm-hmm. and I have some coffee and my pad, then I'm like, my brain is elastic still, but I'm grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. I'm at least not like free flowing, like a yeah. balloon in an updraft or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm at least like coherent mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Some, yeah. Um, so I'm not musically inclined at all. Um, and actually, like, I really like music. I love listening to music, but I've never been one that remembers the names of songs or even like mm-hmm. artists necessarily. I just, whatever I hear in the moment, if I like it, I like it. And I'll try to track, like, thankfully Spotify tracks stuff I listened to previously. Oh, Otherwise sure. I would never remember right. like, who I listened to. Yeah. Um, but so not being musically inclined, are you thinking like when you say you're writing stuff down on the notepad, are you thinking like in lyrics or what? or tunes or what, what kind of thoughts do you have? Or are you just a normal thinking normally? Usually if it's notepad, it's, it's more thoughts about like concepts, lyrical ideas, stories. Um, it, or, or even like pictures or Mm -hmm. something. Cause I do a lot of kind of visual art stuff too. And so it's a lot of that. Whereas musically, I don't know. There's just kind of music running, mm-hmm. I guess is how I would okay. describe it. It is like, I kind of have to be at a piano to get it out or sing it into my phone or mm-hmm. whatever, or a guitar. Um, but generally there's just kind of a track playing Yeah. and, and it's kind of like, can I hear it or not? Mm-hmm. And, and like, sometimes I can't, I used to, as a kid and a younger person, I was really good at just like locating that like constantly running thing. And now it's harder to get to. Now I have to work really hard to get to it and be like, okay, slap some chords together. And then I kind of put the information in to then come back out. Um, but as a kid, I used to, there was this GI Joe video game. Did you ever happen to play that? It was for uh, just the, the regular Nintendo. Were you um, a plastic figurine? Like the plastic no, GI Joes or you, you were an were, actual GI Joe? You were an actual GI Joe. Okay. You could be like Snake Eyes or Duke or you, okay. you got to like pick two. Yeah. I think. And when one died, you were the other one or okay. something. I don't, I don't remember exactly how the game was played. I've never told anyone this, by the way. Let's see. I don't okay. think I've even thought about this since I was a kid, but there was a GI Joe, um, like the music for that 
was very formative for me in terms of like, like I could hear it all the time. And then I could kind of like turn the volume down when I needed to, but then I would let it crank back up. And it was like very deeply, like the beats of this GI Joe game are like in my fabric. I'm going to try to find them and see if they still do anything for me. Yeah. But, but it was kind of like that. And then they kind of became, it was around that fifth grade time when I heard the Beatles, they kind of became original music. Mm -hmm. And I would realize like, Oh, that doesn't exist. I'm making that up. And that was kind of how I started writing songs was realizing that like this music in my head doesn't exist in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm writing this, I'm making this up. And then I started to realize like, Oh, I can, I can write songs. Like that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what this is. Like this melody that I'm hearing, I can play it on the piano and it isn't just, um, Sorry, I'm like really on tangent. What were we talking about? GI Joe, GI Joe soundtrack. Before that, but the um, are you? Uh, yeah, oh, the mornings. No, but you're, mornings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're exactly covering. Like, I want to know what's playing in your head as as someone. Yeah, like the GI Joe music, yeah. <laughs> or at least it was when I was a kid. I don't know. What about you? Like, what do your mornings look like? Do you do you do you journal? Do you have like a morning kind of practice? I do. So I have a routine. Most of it centers around reading. Um, so I'll get up and. Actually, this summer I was really bad about getting up early. Normally, I like to be known mm. as like an early riser. Mm. So getting up at 5, 530 and, um, and reading. Now I'm getting back to that. Like this summer, I for some reason just packed it in in the mornings, was sleeping in a little bit later. And then what what always remains consistent is that I have like two or three, sometimes up to like five books that I'm reading each day. Okay, sure. And so I'll spend a couple minutes with each book. And the time I spend with them varies too. Like some mornings, if I might literally read for the first two to three hours of the day. Wow. If I, if I have the time, sure. I might just sit and read. Oh, that's and awesome. Most days it's at least an hour of reading. Mm. And so that's the main thing, but I do find a great appreciation in getting up before everybody else in the house. Now that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that's not to say if I go to bed at 2am that I'm still gonna be like, yeah, I'm going to get up at 6am. Sure. No, I'll, I'll get my full hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, if my evening routine is where it should be, then I'll get up early mm. and I'll make my coffee. I do like the pour over coffee and just really try to settle into that and become present. I guess I'll spend time with my dog, my cat, and then I'll sit in the same spot on the couch and turn a light on and turn yeah. all the other lights off and try to keep it as dark as possible and do some reading. That's the main, that's the main thing. And that's a practice that I hope like, even if kids are on the horizon for us, like, really hope that I can remain consistent with that despite how tired I am. Cause I think that it's almost more energizing for me to have that time awake and reading and peace and quiet than it would be if I slept that extra hour. Sure. I, I just feel more rejuvenated. I agree. I think that I find that to be true about like working out too, where, yeah. which I'm like, that's unfortunately become something that has like been the first thing to go with mm-hmm. my newfound busyness. Yeah. Um, well, I guess not newfound busyness, but <laughs> School, the teach, teaching, you know, yeah, I, I want to get into that too, but yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's always the first thing to go for me. But yep. if I, if I'm on it and I wake up and I have time to read and go to the gym mm-hmm. before my day begins properly that, yeah, it's, it's more valuable than sleep mm-hmm. in some ways or, or it feels that way anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, in yeah. a perfect world, we'd get sleep too. But. Yep. I think, yeah, I think for me, that's been, I guess a big thing. And actually I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but, um, sleep. So I have I don't insomnia might be too strong of a word, but consistently for someone like me that 
understands the value of sleep. Like I understand how important it is mm-hmm. to our health. And especially like, I don't want to be that dude that's 70 years old and like had trouble sleeping in his thirties. Cause I feel like it's going to come back on me. Totally. You yeah. know? Um, but I, I was suffering at least two to three nights and sometimes even more of like not being able to fall asleep. And then mm-hmm. I would go out to the couch cause I would keep my wife up and then it, you're just not getting the same type of restful sleep that I would in my bed. And so finally after talking to my wife about it and just being like, something has to change. Like we have Mm. to have the lights off earlier. I have to stop like drinking caffeine later into the day. Um, Blue light, like shutting off blue light and and different things that we would try. And she finally got sick of me leaving the bedroom and was like, okay, that's it. I'm participating in this. We're going to implement this strict protocol. And so we have a list of like 12 things that we do every night. And again, this is on a perfect, on a perfect day where we're not having to be somewhere. Sure. Sure. You know, but yeah, now it's like in bed by nine 30, spend some time mm. reading and then t- asleep by 10. Wow. And so that that's like enables me to get up earlier, but it's taken a lot to get there. Like I think seven out of the last eight nights I've had some of the best sleep I've ever had since we implemented the protocol. How and long have, have you had ju- the protocol? Yeah. Just over a week. So oh, I think really? total, okay, wow. yeah, so I think a total of like eight days and except for one night, I've slept like amazing and I haven't had mm. to leave the bedroom or anything like that. And, um, she actually encouraged me with that where she's like, no, nope, don't even make leaving an option. She's like, if you're going to keep me up, it's fine, but we have to figure this out. Like, so wow. if you have to wiggle around in bed, do it, um, until we figure this out. And yeah, it's worked like, like a charm. And so then amazing. that carrying out that, um, schedule in the evenings then allows me to be to effectively carry out the schedule I want in the morning, sure. which is getting up. Yeah. Um, so in a very good spot right now. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Can you, can you run me through some of your 12 steps yeah. here? So I think, let's see. So phones, phones we have, I think down in a way by like 8 PM. Okay. So the big one for me would be checking email, like work email and getting something about a project. And then I'm thinking about that for the hour or two leading up to bed. So mm. now that's like pretty much off the table. Okay. So I'll have, have phone away. I've also cut down on social media usage pretty much like limit it only to when I'm at my computer. I won't have it on my phone anymore. Um, we shut off the TV by nine 30. We have, I'm like showered and my teeth are brushed prior to watching TV. So we still have like our hour, hour and a half of shows that we like to watch. Yeah. Um, Wait, so sorry. When do you do that? That's before your nine 30 window. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be like, essentially I will be ready to go to bed by like 8 PM, but I'll go watch some TV, but I won't have to do anything after we shut the TV off. Cause I found that that's that, just like, your time. Up. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I can just like slide right into bed after right. we turn the TV off. And then, um, this is where it gets, gets funky, but she'll not too funky. <laughs> um, but she'll do the reading. So I'll just like lay there, close my eyes, try to fall asleep and she'll read for like a half hour. Allowed? Just like, yeah. So it just wow. like, puts me to bed like a baby. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. It's, it's been, Oh, I love that. It's been awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cause she has no trouble falling asleep. She can fall mm. asleep in like three seconds. Okay. No joke. Cool. And, um, God, so I wish I could do that. Put me right to sleep. And, um, then she has no problem falling asleep like usual. Amazing. And so it's been, it's been great. But then, oh yeah. The other thing is phones are across the room and that was a bit of, that caused a bit of anxiety at first, not knowing what time it was. So like if I woke up in the middle of the night or what I thought was the middle of the night, it bothered me not knowing is my alarm about to go off in five minutes or is it still only like oh, 2 a.m.? Yeah. Sure. You know? But I got over that. 
It's okay. not like, who cares if I'm up and my alarm's going to go off in five minutes, who cares? Right. You know, yeah, it's true. just not that big of a deal. And so then I have to get up and go grab my phone. And these aren't like things that people haven't thought of before, but having implemented them, they yeah. a lot. That's, that's a big one for me. And, and with, with school, I now am so paranoid about my alarm going off mm -hmm. and getting out on time that I have put my phone back on my nightstand, but I hate that. I hate having my mm -hmm. phone be the first thing I grab. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why I don't trust my alarm clock. I just I like, know. don't. It's um, like weird. It's our yeah. generation or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like my phone is any more reliable than that, yeah. but it, it is though, I guess it never fails, but, um, that is, I, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to immediately like be dumping. Yep. Cause the first thing I do is yeah, it's, it's either like work stuff or it's Instagram or mm -hmm. whatever it is. You're immediately not allowing for that elasticity in your brain. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, I have to allow that. And so, um, I also am not a good sleeper mm. and I've been trying to figure that out. And, um, yeah. Is it, does your insomnia, insomnia take the form of not being able to fall asleep? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's my main problem. And I'd say it's very rare, but there are still times where I might wake up at like 2 AM. So mm -hmm. like this week, the one night that our protocol hasn't worked perfectly, I think I woke up at 2 AM and couldn't fall back asleep. And I was like, Okay. If you're not going to fall back asleep, you're just going to go out and you're going to sit in the chair. You're not going to sleep on the couch. Mm. I can, you don't want to like reward myself in that way. You're just going to sit in the chair until you're tired. Okay. And so I just went in and sat and the dog was like staring at me. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> and I just sat in the chair for like an hour and I was like, Oh, I think I'm tired enough to go back to bed. So I went back to bed and you just I, sat, I just sat there. You didn't read, yeah. you didn't look at your phone. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Love Nothing. that. Okay. That's, that's part of my problem too. Is like, if I, I'm, I have trouble getting to sleep, not as much lately, mm -hmm. but if I do fall asleep right away. Yeah. I'm up at two. Yeah. I'm like wired and I don't really know what to do about it. And generally it's opening up the phone and mm -hmm. checking what, you know, what the sports scores were from the yeah. day reading then about Dune, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever yeah. I'm doing. Um, I don't know why that's, I, I know. And I know it's bad for me. It's mm -hmm. just like a purely addictive thing where I'm just like, gotta look at my phone. Yep. It's not like it puts me to sleep at all. Right. That's the, um, that's the thing is like, if it would, then it would be okay. Like if you just, Oh, I know this, I'm going to get tired looking at my phone again, Sure. but it, yeah, it doesn't seem to be the case. It just goes like down. It takes you down that rabbit hole that social media does, which is like, Oh, you got to check the next thing. Got to look, yep. got to keep looking, get deeper and deeper. And there's going to be something, something cool there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just doesn't work. The, the one thing that someone had said, of like, cause I'd heard over and over, don't check your phone first thing in the morning. Like we've probably all heard right, that many right. times by now, but the way the guy had phrased it is like, why are you allowing other people to insert like their thoughts and opinions into your head Whoa. before you even had time to think yourself? Damn. That is you know? so, that's so, that's, that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about where it's like, I need, I need that time. That's mine. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so beautifully put. I don't want their, like, who know they, they're, my, my curation online is not exactly like thoughtful mm -hmm. either. I like, yeah. I follow random people for no reason. Yeah. And, or yeah, like I like a picture of, you know, like a doodle they made or whatever, mm -hmm. like it's not very thoughtful and immediately dumping that in without any thought for what I might be feeding myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I fast my body, I should be fasting my mm -hmm. brain for the same reason, really. Yeah. Exactly. And I had this epiphany and for 
consistent listeners, I've shared this, but I truly like had a total shift of, of my mind, which was just like, like a lot of people, we get really angry with the stuff that we come across on social media a lot of times, mm-hmm. especially like in the face of real injustice, like sure. when, when real injustice is happening, then we get both sides of that coin. People telling us like, you should be enraged about this. And then when you're enraged about it, they're telling you, you need to be more enraged. And then those, then there's the other side of the coin, which is like, it's not a big deal. You need to get mad that people are mad about this. So it's like, it's lose, lose, but none of those people or very few of those people have actually invested time in me as a person. Mm. So Mm -hmm. why do I give them so much control over my life? Not to, not even to, it doesn't even say that what they're saying is not valid. It might be, there might be something that they're standing up for that is a very, very worthy cause. Sure. And maybe I'll get on board with that in a different like way. But if they're able to so easily control my emotions just through what they post on social media, I think that's my problem. And mm. I need to needed to control my intake of that stuff. I was becoming yeah. an angry person. Yeah, same. I mean, there's a lot to be mad about. Mm-hmm. And if you're uh, like letting your blood pressure just constantly be like, humming then like that's not a good way to exist Mm -hmm. i would much rather be um very zen or something but oh yeah speaking of okay here not to totally hijack the the, this part of the conversation oh we we gotta get you talking a little more i'm i feel like i'm oh no not at all no no i'm I'm asking you a question (laughs) um how do you feel about like buddhism and stuff because that's another thing that i've been like wondering if if like developing more of kind of a zen mindset with regard to like meditation more of a clean, minimal diet, mm-hmm. um, more uh, of a acceptance of the intrinsic, like relationship of all things. Yeah. What, what do you think? Like, what are your, I know, I know you go to church. Yeah. Um, but do you have like, uh, I don't know. What do you think about the, what do you think about life, man? <laughs> yeah. Great question. What do I think about life? Um, no, it's a, it's a really valid question. And I think that there's a lot of things, you know, about Buddhism that could be, or people find, very appealing, including myself, like some of those things you talked about. It's just like the interconnectedness. Um, I think really helping you reframe what you find value in. Mm. And if you're finding value in the right things and cutting out the things that you shouldn't. So if there's minimalism that you're implementing um, in certain areas, then yeah, I think you're going to settle in like a much more peaceful, healthy place, Mm. you know? And so for me, I, I think that, yeah, you know, I told you that we have a, um, mutual friend because we go to the same church. And so with a, I grew up in a Christian household and then it was something that I myself got, got away from for a few years. I think that's actually maybe the, if there is power in my story, uh, it sounds weird, but, um, is that I, I actually like owned it myself, like in terms of my faith Mm. was able to come back to it in my own time and sure. in my own way, make your own kind of decisions about yep. what you wanted to yeah, like was, believe and embrace. And yeah, stuff. it was sure. actually like finally mine rather than just not to, not to say I'm upset with my parents or anything, but like it was, it was a part of my life growing up. And then I got to make the decision of whether I wanted it to continue to be a part sure. of my life, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so I think the thing, some of the things that you mentioned are like, yeah, the people are searching for those things and then you figure out like which, vehicle like if buddhism is going to be a vehicle Mm, mm -hmm. no is that the vehicle that you're gonna gonna hop into i found some of those things um with my christian faith and they're all you know there's things that admirable qualities you know that buddhists would have if they're practicing to their fullest potential 
admirable people, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot of, there's yeah. more overlap in all yeah. this stuff than I think people care to admit mm-hmm. or something and, yeah. or, or, you know, certain factions of, mm-hmm. of whatever religion somebody's practicing. I think yeah. there's, you know, there's a lot more in common than we maybe mm-hmm. want to deal with because it often involves like seeking forgiveness and mm-hmm. being, being humble and, and, um, realizing that you're not maybe the center of the entire universe of, of everything. Mm-hmm. It's just like, we're all in this together. And that's hard to understand because we, we come from such like individualistic mm-hmm. places and, and the only lens we have for the world is just throughout our own eyes. Mm-hmm. And if we're lucky enough to have, you know, sight yeah. <laughs> or whatever, but yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by, by that. And especially as it applies to, um, I guess like the, the work you do, yeah. like, like how, how, how you view like connecting to people and connecting to your, your faith and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah. So what, what have you found like, or what are, I don't know if, if it's Buddhism specifically, but there, there's things about that that draw you in, like is just finding that sense of like more consistent peace, not being rattled so easily or. I don't know. I'm just curious about Buddhism. Yeah. I'm definitely not practicing. I know very little about it. I mean, yeah. I've read a, a couple books or whatever, but I don't, it's not something I take too seriously, really. It's just something that I'm curious about cultivating. Mm-hmm. You know, as I, as I age, I'm more like, you know, I need to really think about, I, I, I guess I, 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 I kind of preach to my students a lot that we need to like absorb more of the history of music to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, we have to know the rules in order to break them. And we have to know, you know, studio techniques that the, that people have done because like, otherwise we're just like fumbling around and, I feel like that's kind of true of religion Mm -hmm. too, where it's like, we have these texts that have essentially told us ways to live, ways to forgive each other and have compassion and love for one another. And we can embrace that and learn about it, or we can ignore it and try to blaze our own trail. And it's up to us. And uh, I don't know, it's something I'm just, I just always want to like do a little better. Mm -hmm. And if, if I can find some tools to do that, speaking of which cold shower, do you take cold showers? I used to. Okay. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that question. I'm sure. I'm sorry wish, to no, no, no. another question. <laughs> no, you want to, you need to know the answer. Um, yeah. I mean, that was the whole basis for like, it just, that name came to me probably when I was like half asleep mm. where you talked about some of your free flowing Yeah. That's thoughts. when they percolate. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah, I had this idea for this podcast slash blog and I haven't continued the blog, but the podcast has continued. I want it to feature like refreshing and sometimes uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. The, the, the point to take you through it is that uncomfortable, but also like refreshing has benefits, even though it sucks in the moment sometimes. And I wanted to be able to have those conversations because either a people are not willing to do it themselves. Like they might have the opportunity, but they're, they're avoiding having tough conversations sure. or they just, you know, not everybody's going to get the chance to sit down with you. And so then I could do it like on their behalf almost. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that I'm seeking out um, people to have debates with or anything. Like I'm not necessarily interested in that either. I'm just interested in being able to help relay people's experiences Mm. because like you said, studying history, um, knowing rules so that we can then break them if it's appropriate or maybe continue what we've studied. Like, Oh, they had something. Right. Right. So let's continue. You know, and I want to give people that chance to just be like, Hey, whatever you heard here today, like decide if you can apply it. 
um, cut it out if it doesn't apply. Uh, maybe you learn something and you can, yeah, become a little bit better. And then selfishly, I just like to have chats with interesting people. Sure. Yeah. 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 But that's where the, that's where the name came from. Cool. And I was taking cold showers for a while and then I just decided they were too uncomfortable, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same, (laughs) like, you know, you read about the benefits all the time and it's just like, yeah, I get it. But like, I just can't, I mean, showering is one of the a warm shower to me is yeah. just such a joy, especially after touring for so long when you might not have a chance to shower for like a week Dang, yeah. and then you get a shower and it's just like, Whoa, this is yep. like heaven. Yeah. Um, you'd get, you would get grimy too out on. Oh yeah, for sure. Out on tour. It'd be like, I think about camping and not showering for a week. I feel like you probably would sweat even more touring and then. Yeah. You sweat a lot. And then also like when I first started touring, smoking was still yeah. legal in, in bars and stuff. So we would just be like, sweaty all, all everything we own would be soaked with cigarette smoke mm. and it would just be like a nightmare yeah and then of course like like we didn't care you know at the time yeah. it was just like we're on the road this is amazing and then i'd get home and be like oh wait a minute like yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is horrible yeah you have um, the context right yeah but um yeah then you get a shower and you might have to all share we were there were days when we had to share a t- one towel <laughs> with like all the bands that were on the road together because no we didn't like carry towels and it was just like silly wet towel showers but that's so funny whatever I yeah know exactly what you're saying yeah you're at like at that age where i'm sure you could have figured out to bring in an additional towel if you'd thought about it you think you're so like yeah. at that age <laughs> you just don't think about that stuff and you couldn't imagine as an adult now not thinking oh about yeah it, yeah know? like yeah i gotta take a towel of course right i'm gonna plan for everything about this like make sure there's like yeah whatever I need. And now, yeah. But at the time it was just like, let's hop in the van and go, Mm -hmm. whatever. Did you find that when you were, when you were touring, like at that level where you're all sharing the same towel that it sucked in the moment and then the fun came after you were able to rehash it or was all of it just fun? Cause you didn't like know any better. You were living that life. You loved it. I I specifically remember this being on tour with this band Chaotos. Do you remember them? Yeah. Yeah. They were, they're awesome. Or, I think they're not still making music together anymore. Or maybe they are. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, we were on to my, my first band on was on tour with them and we all shared a towel at this house. And I remember thinking like, damn it. Like, (laughs) why am I like the 13th person to use this towel? (laughs) Like I, I didn't like that (laughs) in the moment, that particular moment. I didn't like that, but I was also like, well, somebody had to go last, you know, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Um, in general, no, I didn't mind anything. I didn't mind the late nights, early mornings, lack of sleep, lack of food, whatever. It was just mm-hmm. like a blast. It was the best. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the older I got, it was like, mm, I don't know. I didn't really, you know, we were supposed to technically have four dressing rooms and we've only got three. And I don't know. Yeah. I, we, we were never like that particular, but it, but it was like, yeah, you know, like we're at a certain level. Things should be kind of mm-hmm. the way we need them to be because right. it's not just about us. It's also like the lighting crew and the sound crew and the techs and like, this is a whole operation here. Mm-hmm. So things have to have some degree of like consistency and, and uh, cleanliness and stuff. Yeah. Um, but earlier days now it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Did you, were the, were you of the age where you would have even been able to be conscious of these things? Like I'm not, hopefully I'm nowhere near as wise as what I will be in the future. But um, I think now, like having started my business just over a year ago, there were certain things that I said, as I saw like the possibility of starting a business, like coming my way. Mm. And I knew it was going to happen at some point. 
I was like, Taylor, there's a couple things that you just, you want to like maintain integrity and these values that you have now, even when you become like big wig is not the right word, but I am the person that calls the shots mm. for my business. And then the relationships that I, that I have. So I have to figure out how to talk to clients and, and, um, I can decide to treat them however I want and reap whatever might come after that. Sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah. W- were there times like when you were touring and, and maybe when you, when you became more well-known where you had to remind yourself like not to compromise on some of the values that you had before you hit it big? I would say yes. Um, ge- and the, the word that comes to mind as you were saying, saying that was, was generosity. Like mm-hmm. that was a big thing for me. Generosity, not like in a, um, like handing out stuff since, but more in a, like generosity with time and with energy. And like, if you're putting on a show, you can be very like insular and be very much like put on a show that's not entertaining or something, mm-hmm. or, or you can choose to like be generous with your crowd. Like, you know, when fun was really rolling, the fans wanted to hear our biggest song. We are young. So it's like, we kind of got sick of playing it, but like, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? Not, not play it. Right. Like, no, of course we're going to play it. We're, we're going to like let them have their moment with the song because it's their song. It's not mm-hmm. our song at a certain point. You know, it's, it's belongs to everybody that, that wants it. And, um, so yeah, wanting to maintain generosity in, in, in the face of like, yeah, we, we, we maybe don't have to shoot out the confetti cannons because it costs like 1200 bucks to fill them with confetti every night. Mm-hmm. And that's, really adds up over the course of a tour, but like yeah. those moments make something fun. So let's sure, you know, throw it on the tab, whatever, like yeah. let's, we can take that hit because putting on a great show is the job. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like, you know, cutting corners. It's, it's making a special moment for people. And so in ourselves, like when those cannons blow off, mm-hmm. like I loved it too, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah, generosity, making, making sure that like, if there's 20 fans waiting or 500 fans waiting for autographs after the show, like take your time, mm-hmm. talk to everybody. Yes. Very often I did not want to do that because I was exhausted and it was hard, but like, yeah, checking in, reminding yourself, like, this is what I wanted to do with my life. This is the kind of the, the goals I set for myself, <clears throat> keeping those core values intact for sure. Yeah. Um, That's a great answer. Cause you said generosity. And I didn't know where it was going to go. Like, yeah, you know, once I hit it big, then I was able to, to drop cash at these nonprofits I was passionate about or whatever, but no, to think about you were just being generous with your skill set and like taking the time to. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, just, I, I, that, that's great to, to be talking to people. And cause at, at one time, if you would have told, you know, 12 year old Andrew, like, Hey man, you, you know, you could hit it big one day, but you're going to need to make sure to like spend time with these fans after the show, when you've been on tour for a month and you're tired 12 year old Andrew would have been like done. Like, well, yeah, like or, or you yeah. can like go and watch like the off the same episode of the office you've seen a hundred times, like in your bunk on the bus yeah. you'd be like, <laughs> well, why would I do that? Like, right. I know I'm going to talk to the fans. Like, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just keeping that kind of like that spirit of, of, of childhood dreams mm-hmm. intact for sure. That's, that's and great. yeah. And like with the art too, like never wanting to be like bummed out on like, Oh God, like it's been a year. I got to make another record. How mm-hmm. terrible, you know, like, it's exciting to get to, to, to have the privilege to like work in this world is cool. Especially to be able to like make art and do the stuff you want to do as I'm sure you, you experience this, like, like how lucky that you get to 
be the big wig and make yeah. those connections and conversations and like decide if you want to do this or that. And, and you, I don't know, that's like, what a joy. I feel so mm-hmm. like blessed and fortunate to still get to kind of do not whatever I want, but like to a degree sort yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just a, I have this rolling around in my head and we talk about revisiting our us in our childhood or something is that maybe we should stick closer to what our 12 and 13 year old self would say like, yeah, go Mm. for it. You know, because, um, every day you're presented with opportunities to like compromise on your values and the things that at one time you convince yourself you would hold most dear. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes if you just at the end of the day can say, yep, another day down where I didn't, you know, probably in some ways like fighting addiction, it's like another day. I didn't Absolutely. To it, you know, that's part of the 12 steps, right? Is, or it's like a catchphrase within AA or something yeah. I think is like, you only have to be sober for one day mm-hmm. yep. to like today. Yeah. And, and like, I, I love that. Like, yeah, if you, if you can like stick to who you want to be, and this has taken a lot of time to figure out. And I've definitely made a lot of decisions in my life that I'm not proud of and that I, you know, maybe would take back if I could, but trying to string together enough good days where I can feel like I had integrity and compassion and empathy. Like that's one day at a time. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, maybe that's the AA thing one day at a time. I don't remember. I don't remember either, but it is something like that. Yeah. I know easy does it is one, which I also really like. (laughs) Easy does it. Yeah. That's, I really, really like that. Um, I, let's talk about, um, so now you're teaching at Interlochen Center for the Arts. Yeah. So talk about like, how did that come about? And (laughs) Yeah. What do you, I guess, what are you doing there? I just think it's like, do you have a, do you have a teaching degree or is it like the type of school that it is that they can bring in people that have done really rad things and are obviously really talented and say, yep, we give you control over this group of kids. Yeah. It's, it's that, um, I don't have a teaching degree though. I would, I want, I want to get one. I think the more, the more that I'm in the classroom, the more I'm realizing like, it's such a, you have to know what you're doing. And I'm learning, I'm mm-hmm. learning on the job, but like my, my parents were both teachers. They both taught, um, elementary school for their whole careers. And now it's nice to be able to relate to them on like classroom right. management and stuff. And, and to be like, what, well, what do you do? Like if a kid is just interrupting constantly and mm-hmm. then they'll say stuff like, well, you know, you can have them say like, you can just say like, you know what? I like love your questions. They're so good, but like mm-hmm. save them for, come, come up to me after class and we can talk through them. Yeah. Stuff like that where it's just like, yes, of course there's like classroom management technique mm-hmm. and theory. And like I'm learning as I go with that stuff. But, um, so I, w- I want, I would like to go back to school yeah. when, when I have time, maybe like this summer I can start chipping away, but no, I don't have a teaching degree. I have a journalism degree from, from central. Oh, right um, on. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I so I, lo- I love Central, Pleasant, but yeah. yeah. Um, so you were there for four years then five yep, years, four years. Right on. I wonder what years were you there? Oh, one to Oh five. Okay. So you were a little ahead of me. Yeah. I wasn't there anyway. I didn't go there right after high school. Um, mm. that's, that's interesting. I yeah. I, I love Central. I have nothing but good things to say about yeah. Central. Um, and yeah, so teaching, um, I think a lot of the staff at Interlochen is that way where it's more about their kind of professional accomplishments than it is about their educational background. Mm-hmm. But there's a good mix of both. Like there, there's a lot of, especially within this, the contemporary music department, there's a lot of people who, um, like Courtney who heads contemporary music, she has an educational background. She has a, a musical background. You know, there's, there's a good mix of everything there. Mm. All right. So 
I've kind of heard both like arguments for this. Uh, I don't know if you've come across this or not, but apparently I think Tom Brady wrote a book. It was on like longevity and how you can continue to perform at your peak level, even into his forties or whatever. Not, and not it, only do I have this book. Do you really? uh, oh yeah. Uh, but every, when, when we watched the iPad, we set it on the Tom Brady book. Cause it's like the right size and shape. So I, per- I, I have Tom Brady <laughs> constantly around me. Oh, dude, I, I'm obsessed with Tom Brady. I love hilarious. Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. The okay, book is well, then, great by the way. All right. Then you <laughs> anyway, might have, sorry, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no. Then you're going to have, this is going to be good then. Um, so the arguments I was hearing were like surrounding this book. And it was essentially one, one party was saying like, don't buy the book. This guy's like, he's a freak of nature. None of what he's going to teach you is going to be applicable to you like normal mm, human. Right. And then other people are like, he's the best of the best. He's done at the highest level for such a long time. Like pick up on what he's trying to tell you. I can kind of see both sides. So the reason mm-hmm, I'm bringing this mm-hmm. up is like, now I think interlocking uh, center for the arts might be a bit of an exception because it attracts such talent. Mm-hmm. But if you've performed at this, at this peak level, um, how have you, how have you been able to, maybe you don't have to, but kind of draw down on what you're teaching your students. Like you've done it at this level. Is it hard to teach them at the level that they're at? No, no, I, I don't. I mean, granted, I'm still learning as a teacher. Yeah. I don't know if I'm doing a great job yet or not. You know, it's hard to know right now, but, um, Cause it's only a couple months old, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think, um, no, not at all because, because num- number one, I'm pretty far removed now from, from those heights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had to really kind of re, um, reinvent my approach to ma- making art and existing on this planet. I've, I've had to really think about like, okay, why do I, why do I write songs? How do I write songs? Because when you're in the throes of that, like inspiration, like, like you were kind of saying, mm-hmm. like sometimes the work is easy. It just flows. The energy is there. You don't really have to try that hard because it's, you're just on fire. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to, you just have to like contain where the fire hose is aiming basically. Yeah. And then other times, especially as I approach 40, I'm more like, I don't have any ideas today, but I can make something. Mm-hmm. I can craft something. I can get, I can force inspiration. So, so I feel, I feel almost like helping them like, control their fire hoses, I guess, mm-hmm. as it, as it yeah. were to be like, I know, I know you're just bursting with ideas. And I know that like some of them you're obsessed with and you love them and you think this is going to be the best song you will ever write. Mm-hmm. I can assure you that it won't be, you know, like it's great. You're not wrong, but like, let's, let's keep refining it and let's finish that. And then let's work on another one and then another one and let's write 30 and then I'll bet your 30th is going to be even better mm-hmm. because you're learning as you go and, you know, techniques to either break out of writer's block techniques to, you know, why, why does this lyric work? And this one doesn't mm-hmm. different musical techniques, reharmonizations, chord inversions. Some of them don't know even kind of basic fundamentals of theory. So I just, I love teaching and I don't think, I think if Tom Brady were to try to teach a young quarterback, I'll bet he would have a lot of good stuff to say yeah. because not only do I think he could just do it and break down his process in such a way that would be useful, but I also think that he's not the most physically gifted mm. specimen yeah. ever. Like you could, you could argue that, you know, Lamar Jackson is way more gifted or, or Patrick Mahomes or whatever. Like those guys are better athletes just yeah. objectively. 
and there are people with far more talent than I have objectively. Like there's just musical geniuses and I'm not that I'm a guy who knows what he likes and doesn't stop working until he gets there. And I feel like Tom Brady is like that. He's probably the hardest worker. And I know physical tools play into everything immensely, but also like, um, I think you can teach, you can almost teach, you can teach brilliance, I think, yeah. or, or you can help bring brilliance out of people, especially because at a school like Interlochen where everybody is phenomenally gifted mm-hmm. and God, there's, there's some of the, some of the songs these kids are writing are just like shockingly good. And I'm like, crazy? how yeah. did you do that? It's unbelievable. And uh, you know, it's just, they're so good that it, that's gotta be pretty special for you to be, I you know, you were, you were their age at one point and you yeah. can having lived through that. I think that that's the advantage that comes with age is like the perspective of lived experiences is yeah. Controlling that, that inspiration and that enthusiasm mm. and like helping channel it a little bit because you had to do the same and you were yeah. successful with it sometimes. And other times you flew off the handle probably because you couldn't figure out where to direct it. Right. And that's actually, I have to, I have to teach a lesson tomorrow for, um, every Wednesday is like, it's called seminar where like all of the singer songwriter students come together. So it's students that I don't work with otherwise in, in most cases. And, um, it's my day to kind of present to the class mm-hmm. and, and I'm doing the kind of, I hadn't thought of the fire hose, you know, analogy, but I'm going to talk about how I, d- I tend to have like 10 bad ideas before I have a good one mm-hmm. or, or some kind of a 10 to one ratio. It might be the third idea, but like kind of talking through my 10 to one, I, my, my 10 to one philosophy where it's like, don't be too hard on yourself. Cause you're going to have a lot of ideas and don't think that you suck if they're not all winners mm-hmm. because like, nobody it isn't for anybody yeah even tom brady i don't know his completion percentage is probably pretty high but like yeah steph curry only makes what like 40 percent of his threes mm-hmm. like and he's the best ever yeah so yep know. he dropped 50 last night just a side note yeah yeah crazy I watched you watch the, the highlights yeah, it's the highlights unbelievable nuts <laughs> the step back threes and the they coming off screens guys are so afraid to to follow him too that they're like yeah they're just like kind of backing off at the last second too because they don't want to get a four-point play right um, right there yeah. was one play, I can't remember who was guarding him, but it was great D. Yeah. Somebody was like right on him. And was then it, he, it was that step back one. Was it Herder? Redhead guy for, <sighs> or was it maybe Cam Reddish? Might've been Reddish. Yeah. He's um, like six, eight. Yeah. Reddishes. And, and a step back. What do you yeah. do against a step back three? Yeah. I didn't know he even had a step back three. Yeah. But. Oh man. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's, he's wild. He'll be like in the similar breaths of, of a Tom Brady because physically he's not you know, like those other, like a lot of the other guys in the NBA, like, yeah, he's six, three, right. six, four, that helps. But, um, but he's not six, nine. Yeah. He's yeah. not Kevin Durant. Right. I mean, yep. Who, I mean, he's another story. He can, yeah, he can do it all too, but, um, he's not as physically gifted as Durant. Exactly. Um, exactly. crazy. I love it. I love the yeah. NBA. Also, <laughs> I, I'm so, I'm so excited. It's back. And there's the, uh, do you watch college basketball at all? Or you, you're more of the pro guy. I'm, I'm more pro weirdly, but I, I kind of want to get more into college because now the game, what I didn't like about college was they would just chuck threes all the time. Yeah. And now that's what the NBA is. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, well, I guess I might as well just enjoy that for at the college level. Yeah. I bet most people, it's interesting. You'll find that they, everybody like tries to consider themselves basketball purists. They're like, I Mm -hmm. only watch, you know, college basketball where you know, nobody's traveling and all that. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I was always having to defend the NBA. I'm like, 
sorry, I like the NBA better than college basketball. I love college yeah. basketball, but I've always been more drawn to the NBA mm-hmm. because they make more of their shots. They're better. It's like, yeah, there's just, more control and finesse. Yeah. And, and yeah, you see these people, it's like somebody like Steph Curry is improvising. Mm-hmm. He's, he's creating, he's, he's like, I, I really got back into basketball more seriously. Like when the warriors started to take yeah, off, yeah. cause I was like, Oh my God, it's like ballet. Yeah, and it's, poetry, it's, yeah. it's, it's, po- it's, it's just unbelievable the way these guys like, know where everybody else is on the floor. It's just like so special to see. And, um, so I like the NBA for that reason. They're just so good. It's incredible. I know that that's why I was drawn to it as I was like, yeah, almost everybody on the floor can like shoot a mid range jumper if they have to, Mm -hmm. like that's not talking stylistically and, and how many threes are shot, but like in college, it's like, there's some players who, even if they're not being guarded at six or seven feet, they're not going to shoot it because they know they can't make it. I was like, that's yeah. not really the case in the NBA. Yeah. If you're open, it's yeah. in. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Just the open, the open shots that they hit. And then of course the contested ones, but just the skill level mm-hmm. is what I've, what I've been drawn to. Um, so I've, I've had to defend the NBA vigorously for many years. <laughs> and so I'm glad that, that you're not one of those that I have to defend it. Against. <laughs> no, no, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm, I'm really like, even like if you, if you watch warmups and stuff when they're just, every ball is going through, yeah. it's crazy. Like when we play, like I could, I could shoot 10 from, you know, mid range and make four of them. Yeah. And with nobody guarding me, yep. it's just, it's just yeah, wild. Man. I can't understand the way, like the brain as a ballistic computer. I was just talking to somebody about this, my cousin and about how like insanely complicated it is like to teach a robot to like catch something mm-hmm. or to throw it to You can, you know, they have like basket making robots yeah, now yeah. that stand still and can like do it. But like the, the way the, the, the effectiveness of our brains mm-hmm. and how like we can hit a moving target and we can do all this stuff with our brains and our bodies. It's just like so mind blowing to me. Or weird. you see something in slow motion. Like there was a Trey Young layup last year where he like went around the backboard and like adjusted the spin of the ball to kind of, yeah. it. it's just stuff like that where it's like, I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's and so that, amazing. All those decisions were made like while he was in the air. So he had to turn his wrist at a specific time and a specific direction. If he, yeah, if he yeah. turns his wrist the other direction, the ball spins the wrong way and hits the backboard and goes the wrong direction, which I've tried to do this layup yeah. many times. And it took me a while before I realized how counterintuitive that wrist motion yeah. is like, uh, yeah. And he, yeah, he calculated that mm-hmm. the time, you know, it's like, or however long a done. jump lasts. It's yeah. insanely short, yep. even for an NBA player. It's like not that long. Right. And, uh, God, I love it. I know. Just in awe. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so cool. Um, so I, uh, another question that I have, and let's see what time it is. Pray wrap up here. Thanks for taking so much time also just to talk. Oh yeah, this of course. Is, this is, yeah. Uh, I feel like we never I, get to actually talk. Like we see yeah. each other at events or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, Hey man, how's it yep. going? You know, yep. just the quick catch up. Yeah. And I was, I was excited for this and glad that we didn't have to try to cram it into an hour. Yeah. Um, so a couple things I was, I was mulling over. So I know some people of, I didn't grow up with, with great wealth by any means, but I know have gotten to know people now who have achieved great levels of wealth and the, the message that they'll try to explain to you, unless they're just like money hungry individuals that that's all they care about as accomplishments is, is like having money is not all it's cracked up to be. And I understand that. And I think most people will 
hear that and they can understand where the person's coming from. And they'll be like, yeah, but I want to try it myself. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll figure <laughs> yeah, it out yeah, myself. Totally. So I wonder, would the same be true for achieving a certain level of fame is like, would you, I don't, I feel like you don't say this, but I'd be curious what you think is, is like, is fame not all it's cracked up to be? You might, you might be different. I feel like you have a unique perspective and I'll stop talking to let you explain <laughs> what you think of that. But I suspect it's not an answer that maybe most would give. I don't know. Well, I mean, I was, I was in a unique place with the band because I wasn't the front person. Mm -hmm. I kind of did my thing behind the scenes for the most part, even on stage. I was kind of like, my side was to the crowd, you know, like me mm -hmm. and Jack were up front, but, but like I was turned for the piano because otherwise it would be in front of my, yeah. block me completely. So in many ways, I don't think I was like famous in a way, you know, in, in the sense of the word, like Brad Pitt is famous or right, something, right. you know, people weren't like following me at the grocery store mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but also did, did get a fair bit of, you know, people approaching in public and being like, or, you know, like we would, whenever we would e even, um, land on a plane, mm -hmm. there would be people that would have like figured out that our plane was landing and mm -hmm. they would be there like waiting at the, at the baggage claim. Yeah. And which was really weird. And I don't know how they got that information, <laughs> right. but stuff like that. So like in that sense, yeah, it's annoying. It's not all it's cracked up to be in another sense. Nobody really knows who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I, I go to the grocery store now and you know, whatever, nobody cares. Yeah. And, and that was even true at the time I would go home from tour and I was living in Detroit at the time and wouldn't even, you know, didn't register mm -hmm. as, as like, the guy from this band. I think people, you know, they might've known the song. If I had been like, Hey, Hey, do you know this song tonight? Yeah. And they'd be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I know that song. Yeah. But it wasn't like a celebrity right. style fame. It was more just like a, you guys have probably heard my song mm -hmm. kind of a thing, which mm -hmm. felt good. I never had to deal with a lot of the negative dark sides of that stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, it felt really, it felt good at the time to, to be, I guess, recognized in that, in that way to know, to at least like kind of know that like, well, we sold this many records. So that means like mm -hmm. this many people have heard our music and that's a good feeling. Um, it mostly just felt good for that, for that reason to know, like we worked really hard, not just on this record, but for the past 15 years of building a career of touring and playing cigarette clubs and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know, where it's like, um, now it's nice that it, um, kind of worked, I guess, mm -hmm. kind of paid off in a, in a way, like, it wasn't wealth or fame beyond anybody's wildest dreams, but it like was some validation, I guess, yeah. in terms of like, you know, we got Grammys and stuff. So like that felt too like validation to be like, yeah, like enough people think this has value that they checked a box, mm -hmm. you know, and they could have checked another box, I guess. I don't know how that, how voting even really works, but, um, <laughs> nobody does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I did, I did vote. I think the year after I voted, I think I became a member of the oh, Academy really? for a year. Yeah. It was the year that like, I think like Macklemore and Ryan Lewis were best new artists that year. Okay. I can't remember who won it. Might've been Imagine Dragons. I don't remember. All right. But, um, but I did vote the year after. <laughs> right on. Yeah. yeah. So you're in a, that's interesting. I didn't know that you would get like the permissions for that. Like it's, so it's almost like a fraternity of sorts. I guess, but I think you have to pay to be in it. Okay. I can't even remember how that works. Well, yeah. Fraternity of sorts. Right. Oh yeah. I guess you do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Were you in a fraternity? <laughs> that was not. No. Okay. No, oh, uh, I wasn't either. My brother was, it seemed cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, my, I'm not going to say it wasn't cool. Um, 
my grandpa has, he went to Michigan state and was in a fraternity and he, some of his dearest friends are still to this day, like he'll go out to Montana for a weekend in the mm. summer or whatever and meet with old fraternity brothers from, you know, decades totally. and decades ago. And I'm like, that's, that's really cool. My experiences with fraternities were typically limited to like trying to get into their parties. And because I wasn't like a cute girl, oh, they wouldn't let me in. Right. I right. don't think that's uh, how it is necessarily everywhere, but um, those were my experiences. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's mine too, except I didn't even like try to get into any parties because I was definitely not cool enough. But um, yeah, my brother, like his, his best friend was in his fraternity yeah. and now is like a family friend. Like he, he came up here for the 4th of July and nice. brought his mom. And so mm -hmm. like we all hung out, which is really cool. That's cool. So I think as a, yeah, it's neat. Yeah. The band was kind of a fraternity in a lot of ways. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it was very much like, you're kind of a weirdly a lifelong member mm -hmm. something, I guess. Yeah. I think you've, you've alluded to that. Um, I had mentioned when we should plug the conversation you had with, um, it's called a drink with, right? Oh yeah. It's, drink with, it's yeah. as with part Hillary. of uh, nine and 10 news, like a, a series that they've been doing, but I'll, I'll just link to it in the show notes. But, um, yeah, I think you'd kind of alluded to that where it was like, yeah, you know, we're not in terms of old bandmates, we're not FaceTiming each other every day or anything, but, um, it does feel, still feel like a brotherhood. Yeah, very much it? so. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, yeah, we're in touch. It's always weird. Cause like when, if you're touring with somebody and you're in a van 24 seven, you're, you're never apart mm -hmm. and then you're never together. It, it just like mm -hmm. naturally changes your relationship. Um, so we're not super close in a way mm -hmm. that, you know, like, uh, if I were, with those guys every day, they would probably have been at breakfast with mm -hmm. me, you know, yeah. whereas now they probably aren't aware of what I had for breakfast. Right. Yep. <laughs> and so that changes, just changes things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're still, we're still tight for sure. Cool. Good. Um, probably, probably the last question is I was just noodling this over. So I don't know what the future looks like for you. Actually, I have, I have two questions. <laughs> um, but in terms of like kids and stuff, if, if, uh, one of your future kids, stumbles across the Wikipedia and is like, Oh, you won some Grammys. Like dad, tell me about <laughs> that. What, what are you going to be more inclined to explain to your kids? Like, this is mm -hmm. what it was like when I won a Grammy and this was, you know, the cool after party we got to go to or whatever, or is it going to be like, no, you know, I'd rather tell you about the time I shared a towel with 13 other people, <laughs> you know? Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, it's a totally mixed bag. I mean, like, I guess I'll probably talk about how, if you really like are passionate about something, then it's probably worth pursuing, even if it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world at the time. Mm -hmm. Cause I think, you know, my parents, um, they were, they were very supportive and continue to be very supportive, but they were also sending me like monster.com, like job openings, yeah. like while I was on the road and stuff. And I would just be kind of like, I have a job, I'm doing it, <laughs> you know? But, um, they were looking out for me and I hope that like, if, if I'm lucky enough to have kids that they will have the same kind of like single-minded pursuit of whatever they're passionate about, even if I'm kind of nudging them in a different direction. Um, I'll probably tell them, I'll probably tell them that, um, yeah, it's, it's worth pursuing your passions and also that, yeah, it, it it's cool. Like that yeah. was cool. <laughs> yeah, right. It was fun. It was good. I'm glad I got to achieve that because a lot of people, don't for whatever reason, there's this band called exploding hearts. Have you ever heard them? Mm -mm. 
this amazing band. I think they were from like the Pacific Northwest and they had just signed a record deal. I'm probably butchering this story. There's some inconsistent facts here, but um, they got in a car accident and I think two of the four members died soon after they like recorded their first album and it just totally gutted. I mean, obviously the band was no more, but like the whole scene around them was no more. And the album is just wonderful. Um, and I think about them a lot about how like pretty lucky, like, you know, at any point we could have gotten a flat that like flipped the trailer. We could, Mm -hmm. you know, anything can happen. Cliff Burton from Metallica died, you know, like Mm -hmm. when they were in a buzz, they were Metallica and it just like, the good fortune, never, never take anything for granted, mm-hmm. I guess would, I would hope be my overarching message to yeah. the kids. That reminded me of something else too. Oh yeah. Back to the darker side of fame. Mm-hmm. It really did a number on my family relationships, my romantic relationships mm-hmm. and my friendships. That was tough because there were being pulled in a million different directions as mm-hmm. we all are kind of a, as adults anyway, was just magnified exponentially. And to, to, try to keep a marriage together was ultimately didn't work, you know? And, and, and I have had to do a lot of rebuilding in terms of my relationship with my parents being there for them, being present for my, my brother and his family. And like, mm-hmm. that's all stuff that um takes far more work and time than I think I was willing to put in at the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel really regretful, but grateful that I kind of like figured that out before it's too late. Now, now that I have the chance to kind of rebuild those relationships is, mm-hmm. is really um, good. So I would also tell my kids that yeah. and say, be nice. Don't take your family for granted. Don't take your relationships for granted because that can all, um, it can disappear. People, mm-hmm. people can have a heart attack and die and, and, yeah. or, you know, they can take that not calling them as that you don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's all just like, that's not good we're trying to be complete humans first and foremost. And I don't know. Now I'm rambling. I, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> no, you're, I like the rambling. Um, that's yeah, that's really, really, I think valuable. I don't know, valuable insight. And I, I, I really appreciate, I'll say this and then I'll ask my last question then we'll get out of here. But um, I just appreciate the way you're able to explain like your experiences. I think sometimes when people have done really unique and incredible things, they can fail to fully explain like how it shaped them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that struggle might come with, they're like, yeah, you know, I've done such things that no one else in the room can relate to. Like, um, and so I'm going to dumb down my experience so that I can still relate to them. And you don't mm-hmm. go that far. Like, I feel like I'm getting the picture of what you experienced. Um, but then also you haven't like let it corrupt you in a way that you're, hard to, uh, relate to either. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, I think so. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I guess I just don't, I just don't feel like that, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, I don't feel like it almost feels like a dream. The, 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 the fun days, like mm-hmm. the heights of fame. I feel, I, especially living back in this area, mm-hmm. I'm more just like, yeah, like that's where I used to play hockey and I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where, you know, this happened and, and, you know, that's where whatever, like it, it just really, and then I, then I, you know, I'll see like something or someone will mention something and I'll be like, oh, right. Like mm-hmm. that, that was a big part of my life. That was the biggest part of my life for, for a time. And, uh, I don't know. I weirdly have a disconnect. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like a traumatic thing that I'm blocking or something, but I don't, I feel, I feel more connected. Like 
especially now that I'm teaching, I feel very connected to my parents and I'm like, teach your life. Am I right? Yeah. Like those, those Sunday scaries, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like every, every, I feel in some ways, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. Do you feel like we all have like the same degrees of stress? Like, do you think that like the most stressed person in the world and the person that has it the easiest, do you think they perceive that stress in the same way? And I'm also curious about time is the busiest person in the world. And like the laziest person in the world, are they both like, shoot, I got to do my laundry. I don't have any time. Are we all kind of feeling the same thing? Yeah. Do you think, or do you think some people are just like actually really easygoing? Yeah. And they don't feel the stress of stuff that would like crush somebody else. Kind of. I guess I would, I wouldn't, I could probably be convinced either direction on this. I do feel like I come across people who are just like genuinely laid back and they maybe being laid back isn't a characteristic as much as it is that they've been able to figure out how to put things in perspective, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So have they ha taken time at other points of their life and just been able to like seriously put things in perspective? So an example for, for my life might be as silly as it is, but I obsess still, still obsess over Michigan state athletics. So basketball, football. Mm. Um, so yes, I still am the guy that obsesses over them and I care very deeply about what happens in those athletic events. But also when I lost my grandma a couple of years ago, she was a fan of Michigan state mm. athletics too. her daughter. My aunt had gone to Michigan state. And so, um, I just remember thinking like, as she was on her deathbed and was battling cancer and stuff, just being like, cause mostly because that was my first experience with death. And I count myself mm. lucky to, um, to have it be like a grandparent sure, rather yeah. than like a parent or a sibling or, or a wife. Yeah. Um, but I just remember thinking as she was passing away, just being like, this is a whole, like Taylor grab onto this new perspective you have where mm. things matter wow, outside yeah. of these silly things that you'd been building up in your head, you know, sure. like athletics from some team of people you've never met before being right. like the be all end all. And so maybe those people have just had time to, to put things in perspective. Um, but I also wouldn't go so far as to say like that anybody's thing that they're stressing over is like invalid. Mm. You know, I think about that sometimes too. I have like younger cousins who at this point are really struggling with like social stuff sure. and, and some of the dramatics and stuff that's taking place in, in high school. And that's like really painful stuff. We can look yeah. at it and be like, that's so silly. Like you're going to be fine. You'll survive. And we're right but right. also they're right. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know? So I yeah. don't know. I think I could be convinced either, either direction on that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, I, I appreciate your questions too. The journalism degree shows itself. Oh, shows yeah. itself well. <laughs> um, yeah. Just to wrap up here. So you, you have a sweetheart, right? You have a, a I do, partner. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, what it, the reason I ask is because I also have a sweetheart mm -hmm. and, um, know like how important she is to my creative processes and, um, is, is your partner, is she also a creative, like, is she a creative person? She is a very creative person. Yeah, she's yeah. a writer, um, currently writing a novel and getting her MFA in creative writing. And she's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant in, yeah. in, in her own right. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, as, as like, a sounding board co-conspirator for me. Yeah. Priceless. I've never had, 
I guess, I guess, I guess the closest analog would be, um, to have my, my bandmates when we were making music together and we could share every idea, help to gently critique each other and, and figure out what the best course of action was. She's, she's like that and more where I can just be like, mm-hmm. what about this? What about, what about this movie idea? What about this song idea? What do you think of this? The band name should be this. What do you, you know, mm-hmm. I, I fire hose her and she helps to yeah. rein me in. Yep. Um, she's very much like that kind of like mentor in a way where she mm-hmm. can like help me focus. She has great taste. Yeah. Um, and I don't have great taste. I have, I have every taste, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll try anything. Yeah. And, uh, she helps rein me in a lot. How, how about your relationship? Yeah. Um, it is, it is interesting because we have, we kind of differ on, I guess, some of our approaches to life. Like I would say my wife is an absolute grinder. Like, so she works as a physical therapist mm. and the way that the things that I've realized about her, and I've said this before is that if you ask her to work 40 hours a week, she will do that for the next 30 years and retire with your company. As long as you treat her the way she deserves to be treated. Mm. I'm not like that. Okay. You could treat me totally fair and I'm just going to get bored and leave eventually. Gotcha. You know, but I don't get that sense from her. Like she's found her passion. She knew exactly what she wanted to be the second she stepped foot on a college campus. And I, I like in a lot of ways kind of envy that, that single-minded focus, but also she's, I think found her way to and in valuing, um, like time for herself and mm. being able to do crossword puzzles and I'm making her sound like 80 years old, but um, <laughs> no crossword puzzles. We, yeah. we do the Sunday crossword yeah. yeah. or we used to, we stopped because it was taking like three hours to do the yeah. Sunday times crossword puzzle. And we were just like, we, yeah. we do not have this kind of time Might anymore. Well watch the lions. <laughs> right. Yeah. God. Oh man. Um, so it, it, it's really interesting because I, I guess I'm someone now that's making my way through the creative industry in some sense and am having to bounce things off some, like I seem to find frustration in maybe things that I shouldn't. Mm. Um, and she's just like, what? Like, come on, dude. You know, I, I'm a grinder. I, I would figure that out, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I, I really appreciate that perspective. And I know that was instilled by her parents too, because they're just workers, like really hard workers. Sure. Um, and so she definitely balances me out and, and gives me some perspective on that too, of like, Taylor, even if you don't want to do this thing, just do it. Mm. Cause Abby would just do it. She yeah. was working on paperwork until late last night because she wanted to have it done before today, even though she has an extra two days to do it. And it's like, that's just how she is. So yeah. I, I appreciate some of those things that she kind of reminds me of. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Good. That's cool. It's, it's, it's so nice to have a partner that like, and granted, I've been pretty, I'm not, I'm not talking down any previous mm-hmm. partnership I've had. They've, I've, I've been lucky to be with, you know, wonderful people in my life. But um, with, with Alyssa in particular, I really, I feel like I have like a creative um, foil in many ways mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, like she doesn't let me get away with something that's not good. And she also sees the good in, in me and my ideas mm-hmm. in a way where, where, um, and, and maybe like, like similarly to you where it's like, some things that might be missing mm-hmm. where like, I'm, I'm willing to put the work in. Like I'm, I'm probably on more, I'll grind if I need to, mm-hmm. but I also tend to cut and run too soon sometimes. Mm, yeah. And, and like Alyssa's good about helping me. That's, that's good. Don't stop that one. You know, mm-hmm. like, have you worked on this lately? Like you should, you know, take, take 20 minutes a day and work on that thing because it's important. Yep. Whereas I'm kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm bored though. Mm-hmm. I'm on to the next one. 
um, yeah, trying to find that balance. She helps me find that balance yeah. in many ways. Yeah. That, yeah. It's great. And I, just because I have such a, a great wife, I wanted to, to ask you what your process was. And I'm sure that you, you know, how, like her being a creative person too, I'm sure that you're able mm-hmm. to assist her in some of that. And, um, I hope she, Hopefully, her, her right. process is more internal than mine. Yeah. Like as a, as a writer, she's very like, we work really well together. Cause I, I tend to like sing and make a lot of noise and like, I'm just like a loud person when I'm alone I, or, or alone with her. Like yeah. I just am singing and doing stuff constantly and she, she tunes me out. Mm-hmm. She won't even hear me half the time, yeah. which is awesome because yeah. if she did, she would not want to be with me. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, um, I read her work, you know, she'll finish something and I'll get to read it. But, um, she doesn't really ask for my help ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whereas with, I ask her all the time, I'm constantly like, can I bounce something off of you? And yep. you know, she yep. doesn't seem to need that, but I hope I'm adding some value to her life. Yeah, you probably are. Well, I think, uh, that's, yeah. Maybe we too have that in common. It's like, what the heck are they doing with us again? Right, yeah. we're just <laughs> like, I just sit here and uh, make weird noises and sing most of the time. I do the right. same thing and uh, I'm not a musician. So maybe she has the benefit of actually hearing something good, but most of what I, what I say <laughs> is just bad noise. But I don't know. Sometimes uh, I hear, I hear this a lot from people who are like, Oh, I just make up random songs around mm-hmm. the house about like doing the laundry or whatever <laughs> people sing. And nine times out of 10, I'm like, that's really good. Yeah, really? <laughs> like, that's incredible. <laughs> like, um, my friend Mark just told me about something his wife had said and they, or they like sang it for us or something. And it was like, that's a hit song actually. <laughs> like you, you don't think that's anything, oh. but I can assure you that melody is incredible. Wow. That's um, great. Yeah. So, and I feel like that's, if it gets stuck in your head, there's generally a reason. So I'll bet your songs mm-hmm. are pretty good. Yeah, maybe I did actually. So my, one of my younger brothers is a, um, musician. He's mm. a hip hop artist and, mm. I uh, collaborated with him on a song. So I'm into, I like emo and screamo music. Cool. Like I, I kind of change up what I listen to, but, um, so I did some screaming in one of his songs. Sick. And, um, yeah. I, I, it, I've literally never done anything like that before. I was down here in the studio, just like screaming into this microphone, watching YouTube videos on how to make sure you don't like blow out your vocal cords. And oh, stuff. good and, idea. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that was kind of fun, but, uh, I can't sing. I'm not a singer. Okay. For sure. What are some bands you like? Oh gosh. Here we go again to where I'm not going to be able to like tell. Right. It's so, I, it's so hard to know. Who, and I know we're trying to wrap it up here, but. Well, I don't, I don't know. Um. I don't, I'm not in a major hurry, but um, oddly enough, and maybe I think I had a realization too, as I was watching the Kid Cudi documentary, there's a playlist on Spotify called Teardrop and it's like emo rap. Mm, and it okay. has a lot of these like up and coming rappers some of them are like in high school and other ones are maybe more established like um will smith's son Jaden, right sure and they're just bearing their like flesh sure you know struggling with like addiction and depression and suicide and they have friends that died and it's really dark and why i like that music i have no idea i've never really suffered with depression myself or anything um but i just guess i like appreciate as vulgar as it might be and stuff i appreciate their willingness to just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm sitting here in a drug induced stupor because <laughs> like things are horrible. Right. Yeah. And totally. I'm like, why do I like this? I have no idea why, <laughs> but, um, kid Cuddy talked about that a lot too. Like, I mm. think he kind of led the way on some of that stuff. It, totally. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Doesn't need the, the masculinity and the bravado, the fake bravado. Right. More like just acknowledging how life is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little peep. 
Is yeah, he he's on there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like and again, that. I, not every song, there's some that still are just like, yeah, I don't really need to listen to that. Um, but for some reason I keep going back to that. I wish I could tell you why I have no idea. why. Yeah, no, I get it. Like some of those melodies are, are compelling in yeah. those, those stories. There's, there's something there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think anytime people are being like honest, that's art I want to experience. Yeah, even, right. even, even if it's, even if it's, you know, country, Icelandic music, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is, like I'm, I'm down if, yeah. if, if it's honest or if it's, I, I guess I'll qualify that by saying, I also love a good, like flight of fancy. Like yeah. if David Bowie wants to put on a crazy get up and say, he's now Ziggy mm-hmm. Stardust, I'm down with that too. Right. <laughs> whatever, whatever, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. There's okay. probably some truth to all of, all of like the Ziggy Stardust era or like somebody reinventing Bob Dylan, you know, not mm-hmm. being actually named Bob Dylan, like mm-hmm. reinventing yourself can be a form of honesty, you know, in a way too. But right. I don't know. Yeah. And I think we just need to be able to, again, I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but yeah, being patient enough to listen into what people are trying to say, we can, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that, I think we said some really good stuff in this and um, I appreciate your perspective on all this. You've lived a really unique life. And what I, what I find most appealing is that you're just a really normal guy. And I hope that you see the value normal. in that. Normal. Um, yeah. If Alyssa well, listens to this, she's going to be like, he said you're a normal guy. Like <laughs> yeah. I can vouch that that is not true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a relative term, I guess. Um, but this was, this was really cool. I don't know if you um, want to plug anything, like if there's new projects or social medias or whatever, but I can throw it in the show notes too, but. Oh yeah. Whatever. I mean, I, I have a fake Instagram. All right. The serial B. <laughs> Okay. Uh, my real Instagram, Andrew Dost. And, uh, that's about it. All right. Cereal bees for my like pictures of food that I think are funny. <laughs> that's about <laughs> I, it. I, I follow cereal bee. <laughs> okay, and, um, great. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> Just following that and having the, the context of knowing you as a person too. I feel like it makes the pictures even funnier. Right. Like, yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty funny. I got to do more bee content, like actual, like with, with yeah. the bee, it's more, it's been too food centric lately, but yeah. whatever. we'll anyway. get that. We'll get that sorted out. I'm sure. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, we'll, Serial B podcast, part of culture, our media. Uh, okay. It's done. First episode next week. <laughs> okay. God, <laughs> you better <laughs> hurry. The clock's ticking. Original score and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right on, man. Well, thank you so much. And, um, we appreciate you guys for listening. We love you.